Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show, episode 58. In this show, we will review the amazing fight that was home versus... I couldn't get through it. We're going through fight uh, <laughs> fight out for, uh, but we're previewing Marias for Sanhagen, which is an incredible fight. And honestly, a better fight card in, uh, in general. I am Bob Voss, your favorite card fan at MMA State of Mind on Twitter here with Mikey Gills. That's Gills with a Z. Also, follow the show on Twitter at MMA for Money show. Mikey Gills, how are you doing tonight? Ah, not bad yourself. I had a little uh, mini freak out. We were talking about it before the show started, but it's all good. Technology sucks and it hates me. We got it all figured out. We're going to do a good show. Let's go. Well, as long as technology doesn't hate you people that are watching us live right now, because we are live right now on Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube, if you're watching us live, we are on one of those. If you are not, you are missing out on my solid two weeks of winter beard growth so you won't get to see the full progression because you're missing it this early on so if you're listening to the sound of my voice but not seeing our faces and you want to see how the winter beard is coming in hop onto youtube where we have full length shows sometimes snippets for you guys to check out but you can also follow the show and listen to it on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, overcast podcast the rss feed already told you about our youtube channel please subscribe to that you won't miss a show like comment share and honestly those apple podcast reviews and ratings are huge please do those and if you do a rating if you do a screen grab send it to us whether it be dm or just shout us out on twitter we will either retweet it or give you a shout out on the show so please by all means take care of us we'll take care of you this is this is a relationship here this is a very personal relationship right now there's three of us so it's kind of like a three-way normally it's a four-way little quad whatever I, we're, we're just no judgment no labels no labels Okay, we're moving on from my mini tirade to review UFC Fight Night 4. Um, I'm going to go through all the results. We're going to for sure hit. Well, we got to talk about Carlos Condit. We'll go back to that after I go yes, through all of everything. We have to, we have to, we have to. After, after what happened last week, even though um, uh, Real Mike isn't here, he might hop in at some point. And if he does, we'll jump back to Carlos Condit. Uh, Greatest for wrestler obvious of all reasons. time. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, we'll go through the views and then we'll go over uh, GDR's fight. because That was a bet that we had. We will go over the wonderful heavyweight co-main event. Probably not that much. And then home versus Aldana before we eventually move on to Fight Island 5. Yes, we are still in Abu Dhabi, which means fight, fights won't get canceled. So it makes Mikey Gill's job a lot easier for DraftKings. So Luigi Vendramini. TKO with a head kick into punches, took out at Jessen Ayari. Casey Kenny, Matt, you almost wanted that fight to be stopped. Unanimous decision via brutal body bashing over the course of three rounds against Alatang. Loma Lukbumi won the unanimous decision, basically off elbows and other stuff. Sorry for that mini pause. I was getting a text. The real Mike will hop in at some point. Popped up on the computer there. 
probably in about a half hour ish or so. We'll see. We'll see. Yes. Um, should, we, should we save the whole conduct discussion? We just go right into the main card. Yeah. We'll go into the main <laughs> card and we'll go into the, we'll just bring it up. Yeah. We'll save the discussion. We'll go into the fight <laughs> card and we'll, we'll jump back. It'll, it'll, it'll be a stitch back to the last show. Um, Nasser Dean Amavov. I'm a little kind of, I mean, event, the, the pick and bet that I had for this card made it, but he was one that was a secondary on there, but it's fine either. He got the unanimous decision. Uh, there was a split draw, which I'm very confused about in uh, the Charles Jordan versus Joshua Kulabawa bio fight. I'm going to try to pronounce that one again. Um, I had Jordan winning clear 29-28. I did not give him a 10-8, but I thought he won the second and third round, but hey, it's a draw. Go team. No bet on it, so I'm good. Carlos Condit. I mean, D1 All-American wrestler got his <laughs> decision over Court McGee. We'll get back to that one eventually. Uh, Kyler Bobice Phillips got a TKO elbows from back mount in round two. It was vicious. His hair was flowing. It was beautiful. Um, Dusko Todorovic who I really liked, but was pretty steep in terms of odds. Got TKO ground and pound in round two. My Dutch queen, the Iron Lady, Jermaine Derendami, got that third round guillotine choke. And honestly, I'm not sure. I'm going to list all of it before I go too much of a tirade. We'll list all the results before we jump back. Sorry. Uh, Carlos Felipe, big underdog. Got the Nam's decision. I guess Jorgen DeCastro in a heavyweight fight where nobody cares. Holly Holm. Got a NAM decision over Arena Aldana. That was a loss on one of our bets. We had a bet on Aldana at the plus 100. That was a loss, but we had the win on GDR, so it was a break-even night for us. So before we jump back on the couple specific fights we're going to talk about, Mikey Gills, if you could, go over how we did on DraftKings. Yeah, so this was one of those cards, man, that just frustrates you. It's absolutely just – it ruins you. So – on this card in particular, we picked three underdogs. We had Carlos Condit, Irene Aldana, and Nasserdine Imamov. Now, there, it was kind of a weird play with some of the guys that wanted to play at super high pricing, and then the ones then it forced us into this position to pick three underdogs. But two of them hit, and not just two of them, but the first two underdogs that we hit hit. So again, this is just like that time I told you that I was at the fantasy draft. I had visions of going to Tahiti on like all-expense-paid vacation, but no. So Condit, Condit hits the greatest wrestler of all time, completely wrestled his way to a decision, you know, but whatever. Well, again, we'll, we'll get back to that. Now, he folded, uh, he folded Carlos Condit's beak. Uh, not Carlos Condit, my bad. I can't talk right now. I'm still flustered from the technology from earlier. Uh, Court McGee folded his beak sideways again, like we were talking about last week. Then you had Imanov coming around. I couldn't watch that fight because, like I told you, we're doing like some wedding planning stuff. Not for me, not for me, but my girl is in a wedding, so that is taking up most of my time. Irene Aldana comes out. She's our last underdog. And just, you know, she didn't get it done. But Konda got us 84 points. Imamov got us 72. Aldana got us 34 and a half. Getting to our, the guys that actually cost a lot of money. Jorgen DeCastro, that went the exact opposite way that I thought it would. He got beat around the cage for a fight. He only scored 24 points on 8,900 bucks. That sucks. Jermaine Durand and me, you just were just talking about it. Uh, 64 and a half points with that third round finish. Then we got Charles Jordan. And you knew, you knew that fight was going to suck the second he got, that was the first fight that I got home to actually see. I turned on my TV. I was like, Oh shit, here's the Jordan fight. Here we go. He gets cracked, dropped and was just tentative for the rest of it. He turned it on as the fight went on, but he only scored 28 points in a draw and our DraftKings lineup, 309 total points, which sucks because we were following our best week that we had ever done. And then we dropped back to a three of six for three or nine, not our best week. We're going to get turned around this week. 
Now we're going to save, as we talked about, we are going to save the Carlos kind of discussion because that is going to be good. If we got both mics going at it, it's always good. When we got both mics going at it. Well, I'm hope I'm hoping that the other mic is right now. He's not here. Cause he's baking the toll house cookies that he was talking about last week. The really easy ones. But, yeah, we'll see. Uh, so we will for sure hit the top three fights as we discussed. So a little bit further into the GDR Julia Pena fight, uh, this was my bet for the card was on GDR, the minus 135 to win one unit. She looked fantastic in the first round, rocked uh, Pena early, and almost dropped her. She almost went down to a knee, landed real hard uh, twice in that round once that actually almost dropped her. And just fantastic takedown defense, kept it going, uh, stayed against, stayed away from the cage for the most part. Uh, Pena got that like light. Last two second takedown. So, I mean, I would score the first round for a GDR pretty clear, um, keeping distance, landing well. Second round was a little bit more even, um, but not by any means a blowout. But Penny was finally just trying to start to find her way, uh, even though she was getting clipped quite a bit. And then there was that um, near, not quite a submission, but a pretty tight submission tail end of the second where GDR looked really good. Like she was able to uh, put something on her. Um, but it was a head, head and arm, if I recall correctly. It was uh, Von, Von Flew. There you go. See, that would have been awesome. <laughs> and then in the third round, Penny was looking a little bit more desperate, uh, in my opinion, because she knew it was close. She knew it was one to one, trying to go in there. Her corner trying to tell her that GDR's tired. I, I don't see it. Uh, she goes in, and then GDR just lo- locks in that guillotine and chokes her out cold. And she's out for like maybe even 10 full seconds yeah. before finally, because she's not tapping. Like, why isn't she tapping? Why isn't she tapping? Well, it's because she's unconscious and she's limp. They go and check her arm. It's, it's not moving. So I don't know. It was a great fight to see um, and just see how well GDR uh, performed. Um, obviously, it's a bet on here, so I'm very glowing for it. And honestly, I've been fairly down on Pena ever since, or Pena. I've never been overly high on Pena. I always felt like she was overvalued versus people that she should beat. And then... But hey, because of her, I got good odds on GDR and I got good odds on Shevchenko when I bet Shevchenko against her. So here's hoping she keeps that train going for me. So Mikey Gills, GDR, Julia Pena. Pena. No, I mean, you basically covered most of it. Uh, the one thing that I really noticed in particular is Juliana Pena, physically, she didn't look as good as she's looked in the past. I thought she came in looking a little bit soft. And that might have played into why in the third round she just got kind of taken for a little bit of a ride there but shout out to real mike i mean last week he was talking a lot about how gdr's uh jiu-jitsu on the ground had improved and that really told the tale of that fight i mean she was able to figure it out in the second round you know got out of something and then in the third round she finished what she started so good on her next up i'll give this one more to you just because i just remember i was like physically sick as i watched it but I remember I was talking. I remember I was talking about it going into this fight. That it just made no sense why this was the co-main event. It's like two guys who had lost at heavyweight. It didn't look that good in losses, fighting each other. And I, 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 I agreed with you. I thought DeCastro had the better chance because he lost better in the previous <laughs> fight. But not, not gonna lie, coming off of like, dude. I, this was an entertaining fight card. You got to see Carlos kind of win. You saw the finish by Phillips. You saw the finish by Todorovic. Then you saw GDR's finish. And then this fight. Yeah. And then the main event. So I'll, I'll give you whatever you want to say about the co-main. Uh, 
I don't want to. <laughs> this is one at this. At, so at this point in the night on our DraftKings card, we still have two fights left and we were still in pretty good shape after this. I mean, the Aldana fight hadn't happened yet. The GDR had just cashed for that late sub. And then Felipe goes in there and just starts outstriking our boy, which goes against everything that I saw in the film. Uh, Jorgen DeCastro had really good leg kick. But I'm not talking about in this fight. I'm talking about like leading in what I was seeing. He had really good leg kicks, really good body kicks. He had faster hands, I thought. And then once they started the fight, Felipe, for the first two rounds, just landed more often than at will, was backing him up. And Jorgen DeCastro didn't really look to do anything. And then in the third round, pretty clearly down two rounds, DeCastro... I guess he was either exhausted or tired of getting hit, was just pushing Felipe into the cage. Um, and, like, his his offense was as depressed as I was watching it. And, you know, that's – when, when it was over, and you finally see that DraftKings 24-point total final score, and that's when you just fall back into the couch. And that, remember that Jaws, the push-pull angle? That's what the world sees in your face when you're depressed. And nothing else. That sucked. No. I would like to say that – after this fight, we were rewarded from an amazing main event. But that didn't happen. <laughs> no offense to, like, this is a stereotypical Holly home fight. So if you like your fighting style, you had a fun night and you had a good night and you were entertained. I'm not there. Um, she, she did what she had to do. Um, uh, we had uh, the other bet for our show last week was a one unit bet on Irene Aldana at plus 100 to win one unit. And some of that has to do with you have fighters that you like that you keep betting because they're, they keep being in good scenarios at good prices. And eventually you have to hop off the train. It just depends when you choose to do so. I jumped off one too early with uh, Jan Blockwitz and I lost a big underdog on that one. And I've been stereotypically have jumped off little bit too early um this one we rode through like we thought maybe this was the chance and she i think she had the striking that she could have done it but she just couldn't mat i didn't think home was gonna have the output she did and eldana just couldn't keep up she couldn't keep the output going and then at the opportune moments we saw a wrestler home and i thought there was a chance we could do this but i thought over the course of five rounds eldana had a chance to put more on her um it didn't happen so that's a loss we had a break even night didn't win, didn't lose, break even one and one. Um, it's just a weird situation for Holly Holm now. Like, does she become, does she get a title shot? I, I don't know. She's lost every title shot other than when she fought uh, Ronda Rousey. So, GDR rematch, I guess. I mean, I'm for it just because I would bet GDR, which is hilarious because I bet Holm in their first fight. It was a pick em. I had Holm at minus 105. I thought home won that because of all of the late shots that should have points taken away. And even without that, I thought it was close fight, but home would have won. And now I'm complete opposite. I'm all on GDR now, but I mean, she just won me money. So recency biased, but uh, um, so thoughts on the main event, home versus Aldana, where you see Aldana at, and I guess what to do with home next. Uh, as far as just starting off with this fight, uh, did someone tell Irene Aldana that she was allowed to move sideways? No. Like, was that a th Did she know she was allowed to? Was allowed to. They, they put one of those tension ropes between her ankles. She could, she physically <laughs> could not side shuffle. I didn't, I, it was the most allowed. maddening thing I've ever seen. I mean, it went on forever. She was literally chasing Holly home. Like mm -hmm. if you're, if you're just watching this podcast and you didn't watch the fight, imagine 
five rounds or just however long she was doing it for. I know it changed up a little bit at the end, but like of a person literally just following someone around the cage, getting punched in the face repeatedly over and over. It maddened by the same shot. Yeah. By the same shot. (laughs) I mean, credit to you. If you played Holly home uh, last night on DraftKings, she scored 153 points. That's incredible. That's like, that's like, that's like incredible. That's like Marab Davashelli territory when he gets 12 takedowns over, who was it? Uh, was it Casey Kent? I can't remember. But um, regardless, uh, I, Aldana, I don't know where she goes from here. Home, home GDR, I'm for that. I, I don't really have anything else to say for you. You pretty much covered most of it. But uh, congrats, congratulations to Holly Home. I had kind of written her off. I thought at 38, this might be the time where she falls off. She told me to go F myself. Man, yeah, deserved it, I guess, for betting against her. <laughs> She's gonna fall off at some point. She just she just has to. Just it, there's this <laughs> weird situation where right when the UFC got the 135 pound division in it, there was like a solid 10-ish fighters in there. And the top, other than Ronda Rousey, and I guess Misha Tate, <laughs> the rest of the top 10 just still there. Yeah. And they're the equivalent level of skilled. They've maybe added a couple more things. And as they've started to fade age-wise, they have a few more tools. And all these up-and-comers just don't have it. So apparently, eventually, like, so, pro- like we're going to have a 45-year-old Holly Holm fighting for the title against so it, a 40-year-old GDR. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the heavyweight division was for a while in that sense, where it was just all the older guys that were more skilled than anybody that was younger coming up. And they just dominated the division. And that's why you see, you know, guys in their 30, late mm-hmm. 30s and 40s still, you know, taking titles. And maybe that's, how, maybe that's what women's 135 is going to. Well, honestly, I think that makes sense for our recency bias with um, in the last like year and a half, ex- like especially the last year, we've seen like a dramatic skid from like all of like the fighters that were on the come up when I first became a fan. So, like, there's all these fighters that, like, we're not picking because of nostalgia. We're picking because of skill, but the body just isn't there anymore. Right. And But I think that's just because we all remembered, oh, well, the, whoever had however many comebacks. Overeem mm-hmm. has come off two or three fight losing things and got a title, like, 12 times. And, like, whoever else. And I guess that's just not the case. So, I guess I'm aware of that as another depressing note. I apologize. Hey, we didn't lose money. And even yeah. with everything that happened on DraftKings, 309 isn't terrible. I mean, it's by no means the best we've done, but that's by no means terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm certainly not happy with it by any stress. I mean, on a fight card like this, when you, when two, when, if you're in a position to pick three underdogs, you, you should be getting three of your top end plays that are going to cash out mm-hmm. like no if, ands or buts. Cause that's why you put yourself in the position to have to pick, the lower price people and two of my yeah. three underdogs hit. I should have had a crazy good night this week. And, and it didn't. And 309 points. I'm, I'm not happy with that mm-hmm. at all. I mean, last week we crushed this score and I expected way more out of this one, especially as soon as Condit cashed, I was texting real Mike laughing it up with them. <laughs> and then it just got worse from there. So whatever. <laughs> well, we will move on. Not really moving on because we're still on the island. We're still on Yaz Island. We're still on Fight Island. We're still on Abu Dhabi. Like I said before, that's fantastic. That means the utter vast majority, if not all of these fights, will actually happen. Um, since it's just the two of us for now, before the real Mike hops in, we are just going to have, I'm going to read off the matchup. Mike Gills is going to give the DraftKings breakdown, and I'll give my little two cents afterward. 
just quick picks, for, at least for me, for the most part, other than a few scenarios until we get more closer to the main card and then any bet that's involved. Uh, although my bet's not till later on and neither is real Mike's. And he should for sure be back by that bet. So starting off the card, Tagir Ulenbekov. Actually nailed that one. Minus 400 versus Bruno Silva plus 325. Oh, you're straight to me. Okay. Uh, yeah. Tagir Ulenbekov, 12 and 1, one knockout, seven submissions, five foot seven, going off for $9,300 on DraftKings. Uh, right off the bat, he's a teammate of Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, Oh, wow. I got I got the unknown guy's name, and I screwed up on the chance. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, num- number one flyweight out of Russia, making his UFC debut. This one is uh, last three fights in a row, two by submission. Just in a, He's exactly what you would expect, an aggressive chain wrestler, heavy ground and pound, uses it to set up for uh, his submissions, which he will hunt for immediately. Going against Bruno Silva, 10-5-2, and two, four knockouts, three subs, five foot four, 66-inch reach going off for $6,900. Two and three in his last five. Oh, and two since entering the UFC. Last loss to David Dvorak in March. You know, this is a guy, he's decent everywhere, not great anywhere. And just, it, it's hard to see how he wins this fight in any position based on all the tape that I've seen off Olin Bekoff. Uh, Olin Bekoff's my pick to win. The problem for Silva is that his grappling just won't be enough to save him here. Uh, I think Tagir takes him down. And even at $9,300, I think this guy's a lock for some points. I would put him in your lineup for sure. So let's roll. Yeah, I guess you pretty much nailed it on that one. I mean, this seems tailor-made for Ulenbekov. You don't have a guy that has the type of power that's going to chin-check him. And other than the submission game going for Silva, he's not gonna, is the type of stifling, like top control, he's, he's not going to be able to do anything. So obviously this is not a surprise to anyone that I'm picking a minus 400, but I am picking a minus 400. Uh, take, a, <laughs> take a risk, man. <laughs> I, I will later on technically Sorry. there's gotcha. two underdog well one, we'll get there um next up tracy cortez minus 210 versus stephanie egger plus 175 stephanie egger yeah e- eager egger. i, 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 I kind of had me thinking back to nicole egger i think she was a baywatch babe for a while like not quite i think it was the one that married mcmars from uh that one band i can't remember but anyway starting off uh tracy cortez Seven and one, one knockout, one sub, five decisions, five foot five, 67 inch reach, going off for $9,000. She lost her pro debut, but since then, she's won seven straight. She's one and oh in the UFC, one and oh in the UFC after winning on Dana White's contender series. Our styles, you know, good, good defense on the feet, uses her stand up, get close, and clinch up for takedowns. Very aggressive on the uh, ground. When she gets on the ground, she uses her strikes very well. Punts for submissions, but ends up usually just getting the decision. Going up against Stephanie Egger, Eager. Egger, five and one, one KO, two subs, five foot eight, going off for $7,200 on DraftKings. Making her UFC debut. She's won her last three straight. She's also a wrestler, but just when you watch her tape, she's just not quite as good as Cortez is at basically everything. It's kind of like the last situation, but just on a, you know, of, of the last fight with Tagir, but just not quite as skilled on either level. Uh, Tracy Cortez should win this, I think. She's been on a tear since her first pro fight, and she's been beating better competition along the way. Uh, Edgar's a worse version of her, and again, nine thousand dollars. I think Cortez could either get a late finish or score you a lot of points because she likes to stay busy on the ground. Uh, I like Cortez too here, uh, but I do not think she can get the finish. I do think this is going to go to the scorecards, but still a chance to score a lot of points in uh, DraftKings. I do think that she's going to be the more mobile one on the ground. Um, this is a very tough, tough out for a debut for Stephanie. I think what's bothering me about the last name is, have you ever seen the movie The, uh, the Kingsman? 
a while ago. I can't really remember it. Well, there's a sequel to it either way. The main guy's last name, just I don't know. I'm, I'm going to move on before it because it's in space now just enough that it's not going to quite connect. So well, how am I going to concentrate on this next fight when I'm thinking about the Kingsman? I got exactly. Colin Firth on the brain. Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then the second one, we has an eye patch because he got shot in the face and he's obsessed with insects and he's drawn butterflies everywhere. And then Channing Tatum comes in, but he's from Texas and they own a whiskey distillery. I, he, sorry. I, Dude, you're dropping knowledge right now. <laughs> I don't have a lot of stuff other than fight knowledge, but it's <laughs> random movie stuff. So I, if he, if we've ever comes up, I will give you random unneeded detail about random movies. Okay. Fair as enough. many frequent ones, but like pretty much if you get me from like 92 to like 2014, there's like not many gaps. And then 2014 to like now is there's more gaps, but I'm still pretty solid. <laughs> Right, that we'll most kids' age when you start having kids that you don't see as many of the movies, but we'll get we'll get you in on a Zoom call the next time we play Seen It over here. It's gonna work Dude, out. You're on my I, team. I've never lost in Seen It, actually. Ooh. All right. <laughs> oh, sure, sir. This is a very odd conversation. So keep it classic. <laughs> keep it classic. But then again, this is a backward shirt because you guys are all seeing it on video. I need to start like buying backward shirts. So, sorry, lack of sleep. I tend to ramble. <laughs> um, Giga Chikadze, plus 125 for Somar. I, I did say I'm Cortez. Just double checking. I don't want to skip ahead too much. Uh, I got it right the first time. I try to repronounce it and I get it wrong. Chikadze, which you would think would be the harder name to say than the first name, but whatever. Plus 125 versus Omar Morales, minus 145. Mikey Gills. DraftKings wise, tell me about Chikadze versus Morales. All right, so I'll start off with uh, Jiga Chikadze here. 10 and 2, 6 KOs, 1 sub, 6'4, 75 inch reach, going off for $7,900. Uh, former pro kickboxer, he's 3 0 in the UFC with a couple of uh, split decisions mixed in. So, really good technical striker, but honestly, in his run so far, he hasn't really given us that high level kickboxing that you might expect from somebody with 58 kickboxing fights. Uh, he's shown a weakness on the ground, an ability to be bullied against the cage. And one of the things that you go through this guy's record and you, you hear me talk about this on the show a lot. He has a lot of, a lot of fights on his record that against guys that are just not any kind of good. Like he's got like a one in 10 on there. And I, I, again, I had to rewrite all my notes, but I'm almost positive. I remember a two and 31. Somebody <sighs> please. Yes. I, I think you won that fight by armbar. If I remember correctly, somebody please tweet me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive that that's true. Uh, going up against Omar Morales, 10-0, 2KO, 7 subs, 5-11, 74-inch reach, going off for $8,300 on DraftKings. Uh, Bellator veteran, 2-0 in the UFC after winning on Dana White's Contender Series. It's a very opportunistic grappler. He's going to try to bring this fight to the ground as soon as he can, but he's good enough to hold his own on the feet, too. Like I don't think if these two get into a situation where they're on the feet, this guy's not going to be lost at all. He likes to come at you with power, and I... The only thing that really bothers me about him coming into this fight is that he's coming down in weight for the first time, and I, that's always kind of weird. But I think Morales could win this fight. He's good enough on the feet to not get knocked out by a pro kickboxer, and I think he has more more tools overall. Um, with his finishing ability for $8,300 on DraftKings, I really like him. Chikadze, he's a decision machine at $7,900. If you're in your, if you need a guy who could win you a decision, but maybe not score the most points, maybe grab Chikadze. He's a stay away from me. Morales is a much better play. 
Oh, I'm going to agree on this one. I'm realizing that for this fight card, apparently this is going to happen a little bit more frequently. I know at least there's a couple coming up that I disagree with you on, but um, I like the fact that uh, Omar Morales, uh, he's currently training at Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks 365. That is uh, the same gym as uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson and training with, now I'm spacing out on their head coach. God. I got nothing. Lack of sleep will do that to you guys. Either way, former pro kickboxer, uh, trained for a long time in the Dutch style of uh, kickboxing, uh, Muay Thai. It's going to come to me like three quarters away through this fight card, and then I'm going to have to hop back, and that's going to bother me. If you can't tell, I'm rambling because I'm hoping it clicks, but apparently it's not happening. Either way, the coach is, uh, if you're going to have anybody in your corner going against a pro kickboxer, especially someone who is a little bit more on the volume oriented without a lot of power, uh, that would be the coach that you want, even though I'm forgetting the name, obviously. You're going to listen to this and you're going to be mad at me. And I'm going to listen back to it and be mad at myself. So we're equal in that sense. But um, I like him better on the ground, obviously. And I think he has a better chance of a finish. Um, actually, thinking probably like a third-round sub is if I had to pick something right off the offhand. Although minus 145, that's not bad for a straight. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't always like guys going down. Although if it's more grappling heavy and having the size with it, um, if this was at the apex, I think I would go for Morales for a finish because I think in the small cage, you'd be able to push him up against the cage early, get him down, and have more time to find the opportune position to get a submission. Whereas here in the full-size cage, I'm not sure it's going to happen as much. But I don't know, 34 is a bit late to make a drop. I'm talking myself out of it. The pick is uh, Morales uh, for this one. <laughs> Next up, Ali Alkazi plus 190 versus Tony Kelly minus 230. Mikey Gills, where are you at here? Now, let's start off with uh, Tony Kelly on this one. He's six and two, two knockouts, three subs. He's five, nine, 70 inch reach, which is going to come into play in this fight. He's going off for $8,700. Uh, he's the much bigger guy than Alkazi in this fight. Um, he lost his UFC debut, but it was in a fight of the night that he had against Kai Camarco, which uh, was in August of this year. Uh, really good fight, and it showed me a lot about him. He's a guy that will go out there. He's not going to take a couple of punches and turtle up or anything like that. Uh, before that fight, though, he hadn't fought in over a year, which is kind of like the more interesting part of this is that after not fighting for a year, before that fight, it had been three years in between his fights, and he was one and two over that span, dating back to 2016 with a loss to Kevin Aguilar, who's currently one and three in the UFC. On the other side, Ali Alkazi, eight and four, one KO, four subs. Uh, five, six, like I said, the, the size difference is going to be a big part of my, my pick in this fight. He's going off for $7,500 on DraftKings. I just think like, even despite the inactivity concerns, I like Tony Kelly to win. He's the bigger, longer reach guy. And I think when it gets to them fighting on the mag, they're both going to be going for scrambles. I just think Kelly is the much bigger, stronger guy. And you know, the last five out of his last six fights have been stoppage victories. So I think a guy like that, against an overmatched opponent going off for $8,700 on DraftKings. If you trust him to win this fight, which I do, he could be a great play for you. I think he could just use his size to bully this guy around the cage, get maybe a second, third round finish. And, you know, other than that, I don't really have much else on al Uh What do you have? Not much, honestly. I uh, do not know much about either fighter in this one, so I'd probably go with what you currently said. Sorry, I was busy searching up it's henry hooft that was going to kill me so i had oh. to look it up who the coach was uh, he's trained with henry hooft at hard knocks 65 
just happy yeah. I found that. Uh, no, I saw I saw you looking off the screen for a second. I thought you were trying to look up Jacob Takadzi's uh, two and thirty-one guy. I, I no, 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 no. That that kind of <laughs> I don't care about that. Me forgetting a coach's <laughs> name that I should know really bothers me. And then also I was uh, messaging with Mike because he just got home. So in, in the mere yes. moments, real Mike will get back, and then we'll take a break to go back to Carlos Condit. But until then, uh, we're gonna keep going. But no, I'm just gonna. And I'm blind pick on this one. Uh, I guess Tony Kelly. I'm not going to be yes on this one. I do not know either of these fighters, but we will go to the next fight and maybe get that one in before Real Mike gets here because I do know these fighters. And these fighters are past money winner for the show, Impa Kazagani, minus 250, obviously much steeper than when we got him, versus uh, Joe Quinn Buckley, plus 210. Mikey Gills, Impa versus Buckley. So uh, real quick, before we get into this fight, one cool thing for me personally, um, for the people who may be watching for the first time, I haven't been on this show for an extremely long time, maybe a month and a half, two months at this point. I'm now getting to the point where I'm starting to break down fighters for the second time. I had put money on Buckley in his last fight when he lost, and then I put money on Impacasa Naganya in his last fight, and he won. So it's kind of cool for me to be able to like finally go like, hey, yeah. this guy happened. But I'll start off with Impa. Uh, I love this guy. I know you mm. do too. Uh, he's 8-0. 511 73 inch reach he's one to know tone down the tweets a little bit but still a fan he's retweeted me like five times i'd say tweet more screw <laughs> he it he just keeps going just keeps going dude i was gonna tweet him before the show with a link to our shit if i told him we were gonna shout him out he, i guarantee you he'd retweet it anyway i'll do it now <laughs> why not let's see if it works out he's uh he's one to know in the ufc after going uh i'm sorry two and in the ufc after uh dana white's contender series it's a pressure heavy style uh he's not a, he's not a finisher he's not a guy that's gonna go out there and try to Try to finish. It looks like he should be, though. It's bothersome. Yeah, he should, right? The problem is, I think he's just a little bit of a slow starter. I've seen that in a bunch of his fights. And then by the time he gets going, he's just in, I'm going to, I'm going to whoop you mode. But uh, the the one big problem I have for him that we'll talk about in a second is his defense going into this fight. Uh, I'm not picking against him, but it really is the main flaw of this guy you can point out. Uh, Because on the other side is Joaquin Buckley or Joaquin. I know there's like weird pronunciations of that. I'm just going to say Joaquin because I like Phoenix. Uh, 10 and 3, 7 KO, 3 decisions. He's 5'10, 73 inch reach, going off for $7,300 on DraftKings. He's a Bellator veteran. He lost his debut to Kevin Holland back in August. Some circumstances around that fight, though. It was on eight days' notice after his last fight. And Kevin Holland is a tall task for anybody on a full camp. Eight days' notice is almost a suicide mission. He's a very explosive striker. He's a guy that's going to come out there and throw some really wild crap at you. Now, for breaking down this fight in particular, in his fight against Holland, Buckley took a lot of damage. He was bad, badly beaten by Kevin Holland. He was dropped multiple times. He was finished late in the fight. This is two months later. This, this is way too soon for him to be back. The only you got to that part before I did. Oh, sorry, sorry. You That's fine. Just start yelling when I start running over all your stuff. But um, input doesn't have Holland's power. But at the same time. Do you need it after getting dropped twice like that? I mean, I, you can still hear the echo of the punch that put him away. But Buckley is the type of guy that he's going to throw a bunch of wild stuff. And what I was talking about when I broke down Impa is the one fault that he has in his style is when he gets in there and gets in on those exchanges, he leaves himself wide open. He will load up and throw straight from the hips. Mm-hmm. And if he starts playing that game with Buckley, that's Buckley's game to play. And that is, that is my worry. I'm not picking Buckley in this fight. He's $7,300 on DraftKings, though. And if he can draw Impa Kasanaganya into some kind of a firefight, he could potentially be a play on DraftKings. 
I thought about putting them on our card, but I, I, I love Impa too much. I can't do that. So for me, it's Impa's going to win this fight. I could see Buckley having a path to victory, but what do you, what do you think about this one? Oh, we got another one. Here he comes. He's connecting. He's what connecting. up? Hello. What's up, sir? Hi, my dudes. How you feel? How are you? Ah, oh, fucking feel better if Carlos Condit fucking got taken down at least one fucking time. <laughs> Holy shit. Court McGee, fuck you. You know you got paid off in some conspiracy fucking theory type bullshit that UFC fucking paid your ass and Carlos Condit so you didn't fucking expose a shitty takedown game because my boy fucking Mikey Gills up here says that Nick Diaz is coming for that Condit fucking fight and it's yep. going to be fire. But, dude. Fuck that. That was bullshit, dude. I wanted a takedown. <laughs> All right, look. Carlos Condit, his wrestling is so good that Court McGee didn't even think about it. That's Car- you know, Carlos Condit right now is eating Toll House cookies. He made them himself. They were so simple. It all, it, everything is super clear to me now, and this is exactly why Court McGee was a drug addict loser. He's a fucking idiot. He's, his IQ is so fucking low. He's a wrestler. He's not a striker. He's just going to strike three rounds with Carlos Condit. Yeah, you're going to lose, bro. And if I would have known you would have done that, I would have bet my ass fucking for sure on Carlos Condit because Carlos Condit's only weakness is takedowns. <laughs> hey, uh, real real quick, though. Shout out to Court McGee because I, I heard uh, Carlos Condit's post-fight. Fuck Condit Court said, McGee. Car- uh, Carlos Condit in his post-fight um, thing, press conference, said that he saw Court McGee take his broken nose, pull it down, and put it back into place. All the respect in the world for that. Just throwing yeah. that one out there. See, see, to me, it just means that he's used to having his nose broken like a little bitch. <laughs> so he's got skills and experience, but breaking that shit back. See, I don't know how that's like. I don't know what that's like. So, you know, whatever, dude. But, yeah, uh, definitely uh, Mikey was right about Carlos Condit. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you deserve this that, makes up one, that This makes up for that one time you went after me for, uh, for going against both of your picks that one week when I was wrong. Oh, I finally got well, one it'll back. happen again. It's That'll a, happen. We'll be right. Some, we'll be right. Sometimes. It's, it's, hey, hey and now, and while we're on a rant, Aldana, are you fucking <laughs> stupid? Do are you? Let me follow the, the pin. Let me follow the pinata this way. Is she gonna go this way? But I'm, why don't we go that way? Do she keep going this way? But I'm gonna go. I can't go that way. What? She's the fucking dumbest, dumbest coach, dumbest corner, dumbest fight. I'm so sorry that I fucking bet on that. That goes on the list of fighters. The, of all time worst bets that I could ever think of that makes me so fucking sick to my stomach. I want to throw my $3,000 TV in the way I just got. I was so fucking stoked to get the thing. Now I was like trash watching Aldana. Garbage. She's like she's like Mexican beer that just had some piston threw on the side of the road and said, blah. That's, that's Aldana type beer. That's why we tapped the Rockies over here. That's the type of beer. <laughs> Pretty much that type of beer right there. <laughs> Only if it's yeah. been warmed up and then cooled down and warmed up a second time. Yeah, we're right in that realm. Well, uh, real Mike, we just got Mikey Gills putting down all the DraftKings information for the Impa. Got it right the first time. Casagnane, my uh, minus two fifty versus uh, Joe Quinn Buckley plus two ten. His full breakdown of it. Before I give mine, since you're coming in hot, where are you for Impa versus Buckley? You know, uh, last time we cashed uh, Impa for his UFC debut, and it, it was it was not easy. It was definitely a nail-biter, and he he didn't have the best stand-up that I would like to see, and that's because he doesn't have a lot of experience. You know, the 8-0, uh, it, it just doesn't – to me, you haven't been through hell and came back or shown anything yet. 
I like Impa a lot. Obviously, we bet on him, but on at this time, I need to see more from him and more development. So I, I would there's no way in hell ever, no fucking way, am I laying two plus units on fucking Impa to make one when he doesn't have the experience. He's never fought, came back from a loss. So I, I would have to back Joaquin Buckley on that dog money, and uh, I think that's the best bet and probably DraftKings pick. Sorry. Oh, sorry, uh, no, uh, sorry. I just, I just uh, talked right before you came on. No, I said the same exact thing for Buckley. I, I didn't pick him to win, but I did say that uh, he would have been a, he would be a great DraftKings pick, just in the sense that if he could draw Impa into a firefight, Impa does kind of put his hands down when he throws, when he gets in close, once he starts his exchanges. I agree with you completely on that part of it, but I am picking, I am picking Impa to win the fight. No worries. No, my entire premise behind going with Impa, obviously, codes to him for cashing for us. And I do think with some more experience, he can be really, really good. Yeah. Um, my main reason with going with him in this scenario is uh, Mike Gills brought it up, and it was my main point on this, is the fact that Joe, Joe Quinn, I keep wanting to pronounce it wrong also, uh, Buckley, which can go with Buckley from here on out. The fact that he got finished by fight time it'll be like two months and like two days um in the third round versus kevin holland and got dropped twice beforehand and just got brutalized and although impa doesn't have big power he has consistent power all the way through it's that moderate power hitting you over and over again and if buckley has not recovered he's still going out so this is way too steep the minus 250 for me to go with it but in terms of just a straight pick, I'm going to go with Impa. And who knows? Maybe he'll get his first finish because Buckley has just been brutalized 60 days ago. <laughs> um, Quite possibly. Kevin, Holland, Kevin Holland's pretty impressive, though, lately. That's true. Yeah. Next up, Rodrigo Nascimento, minus 265, versus Chris Dawkins plus 225. Now, I have a quick question because in researching Rodrigo Nascimento, so he fought a guy with the same last name in another debut. And I don't know if it is because I tried to find info on it and I couldn't quite get any more. In my head, it's his brother. I have no proof of this, but in up here, it's going to be his brother from, from here on out. So we're going to go, uh, we'll go Mikey Gills to the DraftKings, then we'll go to Real Mike, and then I'll finish it off before we jump to everyone's favorite fighter, Drew Brees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, real, real quick, starting off on uh, Chris Dawkins. This is a special fight for me. Real Mike, you'll remember this. Bob, you were on vacation for this week. The first episode that I was ever on this show, the very first pick I ever gave on the show was an underdog pick, Chris Dawkins over Parker Porter. And he cashed it. Finished <laughs> that fight. So, Chris Dawkins, nine and three, seven knockouts, one sub, going off for 7,000 on DraftKings. Uh, he looked good in his last fight against Parker Porter. He, uh, Got some really good punches on him, and then he threw a, a knee on him that knocked him, like, half dead up against the cage. Finished it shortly after. Um, he's being under, underrated in this fight. He, uh, he's a very athletic heavyweight, a very good boxing, good slick stand-up on this guy. But another thing that people are not talking about, because I'll get to his opponent in a second with his opponent's ground game, Chris Dawkins is also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So when people are discrediting this guy to – it's saying that if he gets taken down, it's done. It's not that simple. And no one's talking about this in this fight. The only real knock I can say about this guy is his cardio. And a lot of that criticism comes from, I think it was back in 2018. He lost the fight that went into the second round. And then he also looked kind of tired in a decision. But five months before he lost that, um, lost in the second round, 
he beat another guy in the second round. So I don't even know if I'm sold on that. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling right now. I apologize. Chris Dawkins got me very excited. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento, 8-0, two knockouts, six subs on the other side. Uh, grapple heavy guy. He won his UFC uh, debut back in uh, May after the Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, has a lot of submissions. Like I said, six out of his eight wins. His last one was against Dontel Mays. Doesn't impress me all that much just because Mays has lost three of his 11 career fights on the ground. Um, I, I, he still obviously could win this fight, but he's going off at $9,200 on DraftKings. I would not touch Nascimento for that price. Chris Dawkins is at $7,000. And I'm not just riding him because he won the last fight. $7,000, I think he has a legit path to victory in this fight on the feet and staying away from trouble on the ground. I would take Chris Dawkins as a very low-end DraftKings play in this fight. Nascimento, $9,200 for me. That's a stay away, but what do you guys think? Yeah, on this one, you know, I don't know enough about Nascimento uh, personally, but Chris Dawkins is a, a pretty well-rounded uh, mixed martial artist, like you said. He's a great uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu. He uh, has some a pretty well-rounded stand-up, and uh, the, the price tag on Nascimento seems a, a little bit steep for... Uh, and he doesn't, to me, have the best gas tank. So I, I Dawkins could have a three-round uh, shindig with him and uh, win that decision quite easily. And so for the money, I would uh, definitely I would back up. I would back Dawkins and throw the money on that side. We have a consistent rule on this show that Mikey Gills. I don't know if you know yet, and it's we stay away from low-level heavyweights in terms of official picks. But right. the reason is for fights like this, where at this level, any fight can be a pick em. Yeah. So yep. the fact that you have a comparable level fighters and you have Chris Dawkins at plus 225, it's like if you're going to bet anything on this fight, you're betting Chris Dawkins. It's, it's, just, it's just that simple. So, right. um, Sorry, well, I, had, I did have to look it up. He fought Rodrigo Nascimento fought a Fabricio Nascimento like <laughs> four years ago. And I'm sorry, up here it's his brother. I just <laughs> I have this whole thing played out in my head of it was his brother's debut. His fighter fell out. He said he would jump in and fight him. He tried to take it easy on him, but his brother's just that bad. Like it's it's this whole thing that I'm elaborating in my head that did, probably didn't actually happen. But um, so that to say, I'm with you on the underdog. And if you want a little bit of action on here, that's the type you go with where it's like, low, it's similar in the co-main event of the last fight, Jorgen DeCastro versus Felipe. It's a low level heavyweights and you have a, over a plus 200 underdog. If you want a little bit of action, that's where you should throw it. I would guarantee you if you broke it down, if you would consistently bet the underdog in low level heavyweight fights, you would end up way ahead. So I agree. Next up, we have everybody's favorite fighter, Tom Breeze. And I'm saying that because in history of this show, both me and Mike have said, real Mike, have said such awful, awful things about Tom Breeze. Oh, I'm going to say he, some more things. <laughs> he is a currently minus 260 favorite versus KB Buhler at plus 220. Sorry, I, I don't agree with any time Tom Breeze is as much a favorite over anybody. But um, Mikey Gills, Tom Breeze in terms of DraftKings versus KB Buller. Buller. I'm, I'm actually a little interested uh, in real Mike. He sounds like he's got something to say on this one. What do you, uh, what do you got for us? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't like, I don't like weak people, man. I mean, you, could, you don't get to be a Copenhagen. You don't get to be in my family if you're weak. It just doesn't happen because my brother would have killed you long ago. 
So <laughs> I, I, I don't get weak because I just couldn't be weak. Even if I want to do and I had a boo-boo and I wanted someone to be nice to me, it was, my brother's going to like step on the boo-boo or throw some acid on it or something crazy. So I Tom Breeze is soft, bro. Like he is like so soft that he's like charming soft, like three <laughs> ply, maybe going on four ply with aloe vera added to the fucking cotton. He is so wishy-washy, bro, that uh, I, I, he's ducked multiple fights because he's had anxiety attacks. Bro, I don't know if he knows this, but a lot of fucking these fighters have anxiety. How do you not have anxiety when you're going to go walk up and combat, combat against another fucking person in front of the whole world, let alone it's scary to just combat against one person in the wrestling room or the jiu-jitsu dojo? So... I, I, Tom Breeze, bro, besides, it's like, some good grappling, I'll give him that. He's soft, dude. Like, he does not have the heart of a fighter. He's one of those guys, like I said, you drop him in the alley. He's not going to have your back. He's going to probably fucking run the other way. And he's definitely not going to take any damage for you while he ran. So, I, I, I would, I'm back in KB Buller. I, I almost bet him just because I hate Tom Breeze so much, but I try to <laughs> let him up. Try not to let my my passion or my hatred get into my bets. So that's a, another smart thing for you people is that if you just hate someone and you despise them, do not bet them. Example, who's lost me money? Two people, Random Marcos and fucking Lauren Murphy. I absolutely despise Lauren Murphy. I don't even know how she's fucking here, but every time I fade her, she wins. And so... She's fucking done a great job. Somehow fucking here, won so many fights. It's fucking insane. Can't wait to fucking fade her until she loses. But Tom Breeze, soft, not my type of fighter. I wouldn't back him anywhere. I wouldn't back him against any fucking buddy. No one. Not even, There's not <laughs> one fighter on the UFC, not even a girl, that I would back him against. He's soft. Uh, well, all right. Well, Tom Breeze, uh, 11 and 2, three knockouts, seven subs. He's going off for $9,100 on DraftKings. Um, for a lot of the reasons that you just said, I wouldn't bet on. Uh, he's four and two in the UFC. Yeah, you know, he's a he's a decent skill set wise. He's a decent fighter all around. But the anxiety issues that you were talking about, there was a fight not too long ago. We were talking about Kevin Holland earlier, where he went against Kevin Giles, where Kevin Giles like fainted or something right before he walked out on or right right before he had to walk out, and they had to cancel the fight. That I had uh, Kevin Holland on my fight card for that slate, and I lost everything. I didn't get a point because you can't cancel it at that point. So I wouldn't back Tom Breeze for that. I also wouldn't back his opponent for the same situation. K- KB Bullard's eight and four knockouts. He's uh, making his UFC debut. What's, a, what's known about this guy, he's the middleweight champion of unified MMA in Canada. He's a teammate of Tanner Bozer. Uh, there's very limited fight tape. I tried to find stuff on him. I couldn't find much. Primarily a grappler. will push you against the cage and throw some strikes. But other than that, I couldn't find a lot on him. My pick has to be Tom Breeze just because I don't know enough about Buller to say otherwise, but uh, it's a total stay away from me. Um, Bob, what are you thinking? Uh, Similar to you guys, you should never, ever, ever have money in any fight where Tom Breeze is involved at all on either side because skill for skill, Tom Breeze should roll. He absolutely should. Um, the only fight for sure that I've seen from KB Buehler is I saw the fight where he fought a uh, one-time UFC vet Matt Dwyer, and he he looked he looked good. But I mean, Dwyer wasn't anything to write home about. Obviously, Breeze is a much higher of a step up. But I mean, is he going to be? Like, 
there's always so many question marks with Tom Breeze, how he is going in. And I just remember when he first came into the UFC being so excited about him and just inability to pull the trigger and just... I don't mean to mock mental weakness or mental issues. That's not that's not my point. Just if you have them, you probably shouldn't be a cage fighter. And he's choosing to be, although his body and mind keep trying to kick him out of it. So I, I guess pick Tom Breeze, but I would not be surprised if while he is in there, he just starts freezing every time he gets hit and it's done not long or just like loses a terrible decision or something like that. So I guess pick Tom Breeze, but I wouldn't put a 10 cents on this because I would likely lose it if I somehow thought I could put money on him. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Yosef Zalal, minus 185 versus Ilya Tuporia, plus 160. Real Mike will give this one to you first. I know, I believe Zalal has made us money in the past. How do you like him in this matchup? You know, uh, to be honest, because uh, I've been working so much on this particular matchup, I didn't get to do uh, Zalal's opponent's uh, rec. I didn't get to do much research on him. But uh, Yusuf Zalal, he's a a really good mixed martial artist, really well-rounded. He has really good movement. He's got good, uh, good ground game. And so I, I don't know uh, what's what's the his opponents what's what's he good at because well, I don't I don't know shit about him. Uh, he's primarily a grappler. He's a guy. Um, I'll tell you right now. He's got he's eight and zero. He's got seven submissions. Uh, seven of his wins have been in the first round. This is a guy who doesn't waste any time. Um, his style is really just kind of wing power shots to get you against the cage, and then he works for the takedown and goes for the subs immediately. Um, for for this fight in particular with Taporia, there's a few things I don't like. One of them is that he's taking the fight on short notice, which is a big, especially going against Zalal, could be a big deal. The, another one is that he's never been the distance before, and a guy like Zalal, he's, he'll take you there. I mean, he'll, he'll drown you if you give him the chance. Uh, Zalal on the other side, 10-2, and two, two knockouts, five subs, 5-10, 75-inch reach going off for $8,600. I don't think I said it earlier. Taporia's going off at $7,600. Uh, Zalal is a Factory X Muay Thai guy. Won four in a row. He's 3-0 in the UFC. Really creative striker, like you guys are saying. Just throw everything at you. Slippery defensively. Uh, good work. Uh, good footwork against the cage. Uh, at $7,600, though, Taporia, for me, is a really attractive DraftKings pick. Uh, I know Zalal's never been subbed before, but a guy who's that aggressive with his takedowns and that aggressive with his top game, we're going to need some cheap picks on this card. And for me, Zalal at 7,600, even if he can't get that finish, his style could lead to getting at least two rounds on a decision. So hopefully Zaporia, uh, Zaporia being a fast starter doesn't gas him out immediately as soon as the second round starts. I like Zalal. He's a factory X guy like our boy Brandon Royville who won us some money last week. But you know, I, for me... Man, I've been going back and forth on this one. I'm going to play Taporio on our card tonight, but I, it's hard to make a real pick on this one for me. Yeah, well, after, after hearing that uh, alone, it sounds like he could give Zalal some trouble because uh, Zalal has some uh, pretty weak takedown defense. And so if, if he can ride out two good rounds, I, I could see that being some problems. So the, the number could be bait on the, the odds there. Yeah. One thing with um, Ilya Taporia to realize is he's, he is making his UFC debut. And he has hasn't fought for almost a full year. So as someone who has untested cardio, to not have fought for that long going against a UFC veteran could be issue. So in terms of betting this, we're not betting this. But if you want to have money on this fight and you like Zalal, because I do like Zalal. I'm picking Zalal in this fight. 
is you look for the uh, if you're personal book offers it look for uh, live betting after the first round because Ilya is going to come out for something to prove he's going to go after it in the first round trying to go for the finish he may get some might get close on a couple submission attempts it's, it's very possible he may even get it but if it gets in between rounds and you did like Zalal have faith throw some money in because then you might be getting him at actually dog money rather than pay, paying minus 185 for him because remember he's fighting a 23 year old ufc debutante that hasn't fought in a year it's like these things do factor up so pixel all um no money on it because he's crazy steep right now but look for those live odds in between like if i had to guess judging by how uh, Ilya can go in there you may at very least get zalal at low like plus 110 area depending how that first round goes now next up we have the English Frank Mir. Tom Aspinall is a massive minus 440 after looking phenomenal in his last go out. And daddy was proud of him. Frank Mir was proud of him so much so <laughs> that even his uh, bygone sister is jumping into MMA because she was that moved by how well Aspinall did. Obviously, that's all hyperbole. Versus Alan Baudo. Bado. I'm going to go with Bado. Plus 350. Uh, Actually, I'll, I'll, you know, since I don't do it very often, I'll give my take on this one. I don't think a lot of things are going to be – we probably are very on same things for this one because he's such a big favorite. But either way, um, Bado is a light heavyweight. Um, he likes to swing, and I think he's tailor-made for Aspinall to look good. Um, the UFC is liking their new little English prospect here. They need a new English star since Darren Till has faltered, and heavyweight is always a good chance. Um I do think that as Beno tries to throw wild and go for the finish, Aspinall is going to be able to light him up and basically do whatever he wants, given his experience and given his skill. So obviously not too crazy pick being Aspinall. He's minus 440. You're not going to do much with that. And I'm not 100% certain he gets the finish, but I think it's going to be a clear win regardless. So real Mike, English Frank Mir, Bedo. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think that uh, Aspinall is uh, definitely the English little crumpet for the UFC right now. They definitely have uh, them, him in his sights to make them some money with uh, just starring and you know being you know, that they have such a big market over there. And it's uh, without Darren Till being as popular or as I guess good. I don't know either one right now. Um, it's they definitely need that asp and aspinall is tough dude he's got a really re good ground game he's got some power in his hands uh i i just think it's trouble and it's just a, a, a makeshift fight for him to just do whatever he wants to the this other guy and i think that he would be a, a, a for sure someone i'd have in DraftKings, like uh, mikey would probably say and uh if i was going to parlay things i would probably throw him in there uh too so yeah uh, coming soon to a to an arena headlining in Liverpool near you. Tom Aspinall, he's eight and two. I love this guy. I'm like, before you, before you got here, we were talking off air about how much I personally love Tom Aspinall. He's going off for $9,400 on DraftKings. He's eight and two, but he's only got really got one loss. One of them was a John Jones where he was just whooping a dude's ass too bad. And he caught him with the elbows and they disqualified him. This is a guy who not just the eight and two, he was also five and zero as an amateur. He's got, Super slick boxing. He is a fast, athletic heavyweight. You watch the tape on this guy, and he is legit. It's, this isn't like some Darren Till where no, you're not fast. Really... He's fast as fuck for being yeah. big. Fast. 
240 pounds, just slick as hell on his feet. Great boxing, great feints. He draws his opponents in and counters them as quick as he can. And if that's not enough, oh, also a black belt on the ground. So pick your poison with this guy. Have fun, Alan Badeau. Eight and one, seven knockouts at $6,800. He's won four of his last five, but hasn't fought since April of 2019. Now, you guys know how I like to do this. Very questionable opponents on this guy's record. His last opponent was 9-4, but before that, there was an 0-2. Then he lost to a 6-1. There was a 6-11, an 0-0, and a 4-3. As far as fight style, this guy's going to go in there. He's going to swing wild. He's going to leave his chin out there. He's going to get knocked out. There was his one knockout, if you go to watch it, he literally runs at a guy like, ah! just <laughs> cracked in the chin, falls face first. It looked like... Uh, Man, who was like uh, Paul Daly versus Scott Smith? Yeah, remember he just face planted on the mat back in Strike Force. Nice. That's what's gonna happen with this fight. Tom Aspinall, yep. ninety four hundred dollars. Lock him in your lineup. Let's go. God, I wish Aspinall was like negative one eighty, so we could just slam him. Well, just wait till they really piss off uh, Mikey Gills, and in this very next fight, after Aspinall gets this win real quick, they make Aspinall versus Romanoff, and they make him pick between oh, his favorites. Oh, dude, that <laughs> would be do rough. That? That uh, would be, uh, evil on me, dude, Ricky Bobby. Look, dude, the, dude, they'll do that because they don't they don't know how to properly adjust, like, elevate yeah. a fighter. It's like, oh yeah, you're a pretty good prospect. Hey, you're a pretty good prospect. Just fight each other. It's fine. We don't need okay. to worry about one of you likely being a star in one part of the world and one of you being a star in the other part of the world. Let's just do this. We start our Twitter campaign tonight. Everyone bombard Sean Shelby. We will not let this happen. <laughs> we keep Roman off and Aspinall separate until they're at the title point. Forget yeah, about it. We finally have two legit. Like, I know we have like up-and-comers at heavyweight, but they're the type of up-and-comers that are like yeah. literally one one away from a title shot. It's nice to see that we have like Aspinall and Romanov. Like, they're in that ground level of like, they do they have like two years boxing Maxwell's boxing is too good man where they could just clear people out and like build up a good record like the way they used to do like with like stipe on his way up obviously before struve knocked him out but we don't like to talk about that um up marcus perez plus 130 versus drickus duplicis which is minus 150 which just sounds like a legal term mikey gills marcus perez all right, we're going to start off with Drickus Polisis, Duplicis, because it's the greatest name I've ever heard in my oh, life. Crazy name. Uh, <laughs> he's 14 and 2 with five knockouts, nine subs. He's finished every single win in his career. Six foot, 70 inch reach, going for $8,400 on DraftKings. Like I said, he's a true finisher. He's won two in a row. His style is he just uses his striking to get inside. He's not the most technical guy ever, but he throws with a lot of power. He's super good on the ground. He uses ground and pound just to soft his, soften his opponents up. Get in there and go for the sub. He's fighting Marcus Perez, 12 and 3, uh, six subs, six one, 73 inch reach. One thing I like about Perez is the six subs. This is a guy who's confident. He's going to go in there thinking he can hold his own on the ground, but he can hold his own on the ground, not against the Plissus. I think Driscoll is the better fighter of these two. And with his finishing ability for $8,400, I love him in this fight. And I, I'm putting him in our lineup. Let's go all day, Duplicis. So the the plissus, the liscus, will blow your meniscus. I he's fucking ridiculous that name. I don't even. I just love fucking around with it. I I think that he's gonna be a little. He's gonna be too much for Marcus Perez as well. I think that uh, that he, that's why you're seeing the the number the, where where it's at. Um, Marcus Perez is uh, not bad. He's just he's just there sometimes and he's going to be there for the plus to do his thing. And, and I think that he could possibly get a submission over Marcus Perez. Now, 
this is one of the few times that I'm going to dissent against both, mainly because as awesome of a name hey, as Jessica Duplicis has. With I'm with Mike. We're good. Dill Knox, as his nickname is. And he's 14 and 2, and that's a fantastic record. But one of those losses was submission loss to Gareth McClellan. I, I'm i sorry. I can't mess with a guy that has a submission loss to Gareth McClellan. And don't wrong. Marcus kind of Perez is a crazy person. He's an absolute crazy person. How much what he goes crazy. What, what was the submission loss? What was it? A, a, a guillotine or sub rear naked uh, choke? Or like, was it an arm bar at least? Guillotine, but let me check. Yeah, uh, third no. round. Nah, that's even worse. <laughs> no, it's guillotine. Guillotine, that, that's like gross to me, bro. That's like real gross. Yeah. You, you I do truly me. think that uh, Marcus Perez is a few screws loose. His utter obsession with the Joker, and he plays it a little bit too good to the point of like, it's like his spirit animal, which is his own issue um i do think he is just opportunistic enough like like i, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said i do think uh just gets duplicity his name sorry i can't get past it um he is has a bunch of shiny spots and he looks like the real deal and he very well might be the real deal and this is a good test actually like if he just completely starches him and i'm wrong i get it but i think i agree i think he's gonna go in there he's gonna go crazy and meaning like going for the finish and be aggressive and put it out there and maybe even go for a submission. And Marcus Perez is just that particular kind of crazy that's just going to latch on to whatever he possibly has and try his best to get a finish. It's going to be probably only like a round and a half, two rounds of fury because I've seen Marcus Perez gas out pretty bad. So if he, after about a round and a half, uh, everything I'm saying will probably reverse itself. So I got about seven or eight minutes of Marcus Perez having a good chance of maybe getting a finish here. And once it gets that pet past that point, you can pretty much check it off and you could say I'm wrong. Cause once it gets past that point, I, I will likely be wrong on that part. Um, hey, but pick hey, is Perez. If nothing else, the weigh-ins will be fun with the whole uh, Joker thing. That's true. I'm surprised they let him do that only because they won't let everyone's favorite. Ian Kutalaba paint himself green anymore. Yeah. Why, why can't he do that? Apparently, it's it's against the new like the dress code policy or whatever. They won't let him paint himself green, but they'll let Marcus. Although I don't think he tells anybody, he kind of just does it. And then when he pulls his hair back, that's the first time you see it. Doesn't although wearing a mask, sense. it might smudge. I don't know. Like literally, every fighter outside of the United States paints their flag on their face. Why that, bro, that, that's why my brother, my brother, literally legally named himself War Machine because they wouldn't let him uh, in the UFC announce his name anymore because. There was a comic book about this war machine rhino or war machine something war machine back in the day, mm-hmm. and they fucking made a big old shit fit about my brother using it on TV. So my brother said, "Oh, cool! I'll fucking change my whole name to War Machine, and you have to call it." Yeah, that's like the ultimate warrior changing his name for copyright reasons. Yeah, I was glad. Dude. I was glad he changed his name because I was like, "I'm the only fucking male Copa ever left. You keep your ass away from my fucking name." And he fucking changed it, and look where he is now. He's in jail forever. And then he wanted to change it back, and I said, "You don't fucking keep your fucking shitty ass name. You fucking changed your name. You're fucking whatever you want to be over there, little machine. I'm fucking Copa Your little baby machine over there, right?" Now I'm boss. Now I'm boss, big bro. Now the fuck I'm boss. I'm the king over here, motherfucker. I'm rich as fuck. You're over there. That's how it works. Hold that fool. Oh, we're going to go on a full rant right now. That motherfucker used to be like, oh, bro, you fucking want you fight. I'm like, bro, because I'm going to fucking make more money than you doing not fighting. Like, I don't get 
why would I want to do what you do every day? You see what you do every day? You get, if you go to you go every day and go to work out two plus hours, you train five plus hours. That sounds about eight plus too many hours of doing anything that I didn't want to do. I want to fucking go and smoke weed when I'm off. I want to be at the beach. I want to be barbecuing. I don't fucking want to do all that war machine. That's for you. It's for the birds. I like talking about it, like watching it, like talking about how crazy these fools are. But dude, like I said, I told that fool I make more money than one day. Boom. So boom. <laughs> so yeah, you average up the salaries right now. I'm like, you're, you're looking real good. Oh, I wrecked him. So I destroyed it. He's like peasantry to me. Like, <laughs> hey, my EMT money made more money than you now, War Machine. That's how weak your shit was. Well, that happens. No, no, Next up, somebody not. who did make a lot of money, but not in the UFC. Ben Rothwell. Uh, minus one sixty for smart. Oh fuck Ford, this guy! This is one. Of, this is another. This is one of my guys on the list. The list. The first. one well, this is one of the first. The this first. Mikey, true. you don't know about this fucking when he okay. was on the juice, and then he this got is how, and this came is back. When I, this is when I learned a lesson about betting. All right. What okay. was what was what was Ben Ben Rothwell JDS right? JDS yeah. two thousand seventeen. What year? I think so, because I think that's when he tested positive. Okay. Right? okay, that's when Michael started betting, like, kind of professionally, okay? And I was like, oh, cool. I'm gonna... Ben Rothwell, JDS is old. He's not going to do anything. I'm going to go fucking... Dude, I'm going to go and bet. I'm going to drive. I drove all the way to Las Vegas, dude, to put this bet in. I put $800 on stupid-ass fucking Ben Slothwell to do his zombie arm fucking hands out in front of him fucking towards fucking JDS for three rounds, pretty much like Aldana versus home this last fucking weekend. Fucking, I slept in my car so I could put more money on Dude, this fight. That, it's not okay? that fight. It can't be that fight because Ben Rothwell lost to JDS. I know, I lost. I lost. I'm lost. Okay, sorry. I thought you were oh, I, I bet on Rothwell. I'm a fucking loser. I bet on him. I bet on the Slothwell. I bet on him versus JDS. I fucking lost $800. In Las Vegas, slept in my car. If you go back to the card, it was a European card or something weird, and it was at like 11 a.m. on Sunday. So it was such a weird time, right? So I didn't want. I was like, oh, why don't I'm only coming to bet, so I don't need a hotel room Saturday night, right? I'll sleep in my car. It was raining. Slept in my car. It was raining. I slept <laughs> like shit. I fucking go in there in the morning to watch this fucking fight. I fucking lose. You know, it gets worse. Checkout time is at 11 a.m. M on Sunday is the worst fucking possible time for anyone to leave Las Vegas. I know this. My family's from Las Vegas. I was fucked. I had no fucking money. I had to go home. I fucking lost eight hundred dollars. I had nowhere to go. I could have gone to my family's. But I didn't want to go there. It was such a shit show. Eight hours it took me to get home. It's a four-hour drive. I almost lost my mind. I lost all my money. I fucking hate you, Ben Rothwell. So fuck you, Rothwell. Definitely not picking you ever. So I think Real Mike's going with the Polish Tybura. Oh, <laughs> Polish sausage all day. <laughs> Polish sausage all day. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure how to follow that. Uh, ben Rothwell, $8,500 on DraftKings versus Tybura, who's $7,700. Um, I guess just real, real... <laughs> Imagine walking on the stage after me, bro. I was like, oh, I guess I'll just leave. I'm a, I'm a little off keel right now. I don't know where to start <laughs> no, this. I'm a I'm psychopath. Mikey, do your thing. You're way smarter to do that shit. Ben Rothwell is just at that point in his career where he's been popped for roids, I think, twice now. Um, I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he's not on the good part of it. But uh, he won his last two fights. Uh, 
really bad win against OSP from a light heavyweight who moved up. Not really much happened in that fight. Before that, he beat the corpse of Stefan Struve, like the giant corpse of Stefan Struve. Going up against <laughs> Tabura, uh, six and five in the UFC. Uh, beat uh, Spivak and Max Grisham in his last fight. Stylistically going into this fight, I, it's a betting, it's a stay away for me for either guy bettings. I don't know what I'm getting out of Rothwell. Tybura is going to try to push him into the cage, maybe try to take him down. I, I'm not sure he could. Realistic, I, scr- scratch everything that I just said. This fight is going to be Tybura pushing Rothwell up against the cage. Not, not, nothing much happening for about 15 straight minutes. I don't think either guy's going to score a lot of points in this one. Complete stay away from me. What do you guys got for Bob? This fight is sad. And it's <laughs> going to be sad. And you're going to be sad after watching it. Because I don't know what happened post-testing positive. See, see what I would have done. He is a fighter that can't finish a fight. Stefan Struve does not count. No. See, what I would have done with this matchup is split them up. And they both could have fought the losers who fought last weekend in the co-main event. And we could have actually had some people die in front of us. Rothwell could have beat up to Jorgen or fucking maybe that other sloth dude. I mean, either way, we could have had a better fights. So now we got we had last weekend shit show, and now we have the battle of no one gives a fuck about either of you. You have zero fans. No one likes you. You have pr- no money. Okay, You're not gonna have any money. You too bad you both can't lose because it. I mean, that's what should happen. Both fucking are losers. They should both fucking. They need, they're done. They're, the UFC's done with them. They're old. They're never, nothing's going to happen to them. This is the last fight for both of them, dude. I think we're just going to move yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate Bren Bothwell. And, hey, and also, event. I'm also uh, playing around a lot of the time, people, so don't get taken serious. In the co main event, Edson Barbosa. This is at Featherweight, mind you. Second fight at Featherweight. Uh, Edson Barbosa, minus 260 versus Makwan, Mr. Finland, Amir Khani, plus 220. We'll go with, I think we went with, we went with Real Mike last time. We'll go Mikey Gills this time for Edson Barbosa, Makwan, Amir Khani. All right, let's uh, start off with Makwan, Amir Khani. 16-4, uh, 1KO, 11 so, or is it six? Sorry, before the show, I had to transcribe all my notes real quick. It, it, I can't remember his exact record, but regardless, 1KO, 11 subs, 7,400 on DraftKings, training out of SPG in Ireland. He's 3-2 and two in his last five, coming off the win over Danny Henry back in July. Um, stylistically, we all know exactly what he needs to do. He needs to stay the hell away from the kicks of Barboza and get this fight to the ground immediately. On the other side, Barboza, 29, 11 KO, 2 subs, 5'11", 79-inch reach. He's the favorite, $8,800 on DraftKings, which for me is just a little bit too high of a price for a guy at Barboza's age at this stage in his career where he's coming down in weight. I'm not really, you're never really sure, especially a guy in explosive style like Barbosa likes to bring. I am picking Barbosa to win this fight. Don't get me wrong. But I just, at $8,800, I don't know that I can trust he's going to be able to stay at that for the entire two, like the second round, the third round. Once Maquan Americani really starts to pressure him and get this fight to the ground, I just don't know if I can lay that much of my salary on him. But for me, Barbosa is going to win this fight using his striking. And uh, Mirakani's going to get kicked in the leg a lot. He's, I don't know if he's going to be able to get those takedowns late because of that. So for me, Barboza the winner. What do you guys got? Yeah, on, on this one, uh, I, this is, I have a, a rule, and it's OG versus the not OG, okay? And this is an exact prime example of an OG versus the, uh, a not OG. 
And so I, I there's no fucking way that I can. I, I like Mr. Finland. I like his game. I like all of his bitches. Okay, I all of the bitches. Any, all, all the bitches. All the bitches on his yacht. All the bitches that he hangs with. I want to hang with the flowers too. All right, but I gotta, I got I got a family. I can't do that, bro. I can't be like War Machine. That's why he's bad. It's where he is. He's in time out forever. I gotta be an adult. So, Mr. Finland, it doesn't work like this, bro. You just don't get to eat pussy all day and get to eat snacks and do all these fucking fun stuff and go on yachts and stuff. It's just not how it works, all right? Barbosa, leg kicks from fucking hell. I, I don't think that he's ever been kicked as hard as that Barbosa is going to lay into him. I, there's no way that he's going to have a submission game that Barbosa hasn't seen. The, I, I just, Barbosa should easily be able to dominate a decision much. I'm very much like Casey Kenny fucking won last weekend, dude. Something similar. He should be able to easily just just batter and beat Amir Makani's legs up so that they're worthless. And then just continue on with the fucking the, the spiel, you know, and possibly TKO him. But I think he just got way too much from Barbosa's the OG. I'm gonna favor I'm gonna go with the OG because uh that's that's my rule and or see how that rolls. Now for my take on this. The last time Barbosa fought a fighter of Amir Khani's level was in 2013 versus Rafael Oliveira. If you don't remember Rafael Oliveira, there's a reason. Um, I agree with the leg kicks the guys brought up. Edson Barbosa is not just going to hit the leg kicks. He's going to go heavy to the body, heavy to the body and legs. Those kicks are just spinning back kick uh, to the stomach, going chopping on those legs. Amir Connie cannot take the type of punishment that Dan Hooker took, that heck Dan Ige took. Like I, I still do not care. Barbosa won that fight. I don't care. I don't care what the results say. Barbosa Seriously. won that fight. Doesn't we matter. won that fight. We um, won that he's fight. not taking that. He has not taken the type of punishment that even Paul Felder took the last two times they fought. It's just it's not happening. And real Mike knows. I don't bet props. I'm not a prop guy. I'm a prop guy here. I've only bet props twice in the past. Ooh, we're getting a prop from Bob I know, tonight? You're getting, I know, you're getting a prop. Holy I'm, shit. We need I a don't think, a, I'm, I don't think like a light bulb can handle three rounds of what Barbosa is going to push out. I, I do not. I think he's going to quit. I do think he's I a quitter. I think when he cannot get to his spot and do what he needs to do, I think he's a quitter and he's going to look for a way out. And I like Barbosa inside the distance. Inside the distance, it's plus one fifteen, nice. and I'm going to put one unit at the plus one fifteen for Edson Barbosa mm-hmm. because Amir Khani cannot handle that smoke. Mister Quitland. Yeah, exactly. No, in the main event. Because if you notice something different from last week's card, this main card, pretty much starting from, in terms of just like matchups and fights, starting from like the Zalal fight and down, this is spectacular. Card. Last week's card sucked. Okay. Oh, yeah. Garbage. This, this, this is way better. And in the main event, and in the main event, we're going to go Mikey Gills first, and then we'll go Real Mike. You know, Real Mike has a hot take on here, and his bet's involved in this main event, so we're going to give it to him after that. But Marlon Marlon Marias. Plus 110 versus Corey Sanhagen, a one-time title challenger to hopefully a future title challenger. Uh, Sanhagen at the minus 130. Enter Sandman. If that's not his nickname or the song he comes out to, he's failing. Um, this is your main event. Mikey Gills, give us the ones and twos and the drafting breakdown before Real Mike goes off. And then I'll give my little two cents at the end. 
All right, start off with uh, Marlon Narias, 23-6-1, 10 knockouts, 6 submissions. He's 5'6", 66.5-inch reach, going off for $8,000 on DraftKings. Really impressive resume. He's 5-1 in his last six with wins over John Dodson, Aljamain Sterling, Jimmy Rivera, Rafael Sansal, and most recently coming off a close decision win over Jose Aldo in December, and his only loss in that entire span was the Triple C himself, Henry Cejudo. His style, great leg kicks, even better head kicks. He's super quick with fast, powerful hands, just pure death touch ability on this guy. You gotta love it. Defensively, I think he can leave himself just a little bit too open when he's going for the kill, and I think that can hurt him in this fight, because on the other side, we've got Corey Sandhagen, 12-2, and two, four knockouts, three subs. He's 5'11", 70-inch reach, $8,200. Coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling, but before that, he had won seven straight with five with five finishes. Important to note about that Aljamain Sterling fight. It was a very fast submission loss. Sterling just bum-rushed him, took his back, and immediately locked in the choke in basically less time than it took me to say the sentence about how it happened. But his style, great boxing. He uses feints, great footwork. He outworks guys over the course of the fight. He's a much taller, longer fighter. He's got really good boxing on the inside. He likes to utilize that push kick to keep distance. But his biggest weapon in this fight, I think, is his cardio. I think he can push Marlon Myers Marlon Marias around. Sorry, I can't talk. If this is a three-round fight, I might take Marias. Honestly, I might. In a three-round fight, I might be take him. But, man, Sanhagen over the course of five, I don't know. He's a bad, bad man. I just... I got to go with Sandhagen on this one. I think he's a total package fighter, and I think he'll take him out late or win a clean decision over him. What do you guys got? Yeah, I, I used to think that uh, Sandhagen was something special until he lasted about 30 seconds or a two-pump <laughs> chump on a Saturday like some wimp with a beautiful girl. Um, Sandhagen's soft, not to be trusted at all. Uh, Marlon Marais is so fucking fast that before Sandhagen realizes what the fuck's hit him, he's going to be kicked upside his head and probably unconscious. Same way that Aljamain Sterling ended up unconscious. Aljamain Sterling won that fight because he was too fast for uh, Sandhagen and he was too much for him. And uh, when it, in, or and he, it was just it was just storm. Uh, Marlon Marais is a storm too. He comes fast and he can hit you fast. So if Sandhagen has any doubt in his chin. If Sandhagen does something cocky or does something stupid, uh, he's, a, he's a good boxer. But uh, Marlon Marais is a great kickboxer. So not only is he a great boxer with his hands, he has kicks that are just way, way more deadly. I think he's going to be able to batter Corey Sandhagen's little uh, chicken legs that he's got. I don't think that his base is uh, strong enough for the type of damage that Marlon Marais can put out there. I, I think that Marlon Marais is going to finish him. But uh, what's the odds up, Bob? Uh, I'm double check to make sure that the odds haven't changed. I think they have from when I made the notes. My notes, oh, they've it fluctuated. Okay, my notes were plus one ten. It looked like it hopped up to plus one fifteen, but it's back to plus one ten for Marlon Marias. Okay, so I'll be putting a unit down on uh, Magic Marlon Marias. Marias plus one ten is an absolute gift for a fighter that can easily, easily quit Sandhagen, uh, much like Al Jermaine choked him out. I mean, we're not even talking about uh, Marlon Marias got good jujitsu too. And if, if Aljo submitted him that quick, I don't trust Sandhagen's jiu-jitsu at all. I don't trust – I just no way that I'd be picking the favorite Sandhagen in this one. It's dog all day, and we'll be rolling with that dog money. I'm 50-50 on this fight. I agree with both, which sounds odd. I'll give my little mini breakdown. A few ones I've actually like written a little something up on just because like I am. I'm two opposite minds here, and it could definitely go both ways. Marias is an all-action fighter early 
Uh, and if he comes at Sanhagen right away and then loads and doesn't give and overwhelms him, he won't give him time to set up because Sanhagen needs time to create his distance to establish his striking. And if he doesn't, he 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 has really good lateral movement. But if Marais is so he, Mike's real, Mike's right. Marais is so fast. If he just goes directly at him, he almost won't be able to sidestep and circle out in time, and he'll get pushed against the fence and just be eating shots. Those kicks are insane for Mariah. So if if that's happening, it's probably happening in the first two rounds. Now for the Sanhagen side, uh, if Hans Sanhagen can get his distance dialed uh, and circle away, and I know I talked about how the speed of Marias, but if Marias is even the least bit gun shy and Sanhagen can establish his distance, his defense goes up tremendously once his distance is established, and then over five, it gets a little hinky. But uh, in terms of more likely to finish, you got to go Marias, decision more towards Sanhagen. So I get it on the DraftKings side, because ultimately who could w- score the most points is probably Sanhagen over the course of five. But if you're going by best chance of a finish, probably more on the Marias side, so I guess... I don't know. I, I have sour uh, taste in my mouth from how Corey Sanhagen did us dirty versus Aljamain Sterling. Dirty, so, dirty, dirty. So it's, that, that, that's that's a little bit of it for sure because we really, really liked him in that matchup. We like the same thing. We thought his striking was too good. And I, I didn't get a fight. I loved, didn't even get a fight. Didn't well, even get I, a I love fight. Aljo, but Aljo doesn't have hands like I didn't at get... all. It's kicking and it's his amazing ground game. But yeah, it's, there's I, I, no I think striking. he just caught him sleeping. It's almost like a flash knockout in a sense. Just mm. he ran gonna, at him so we're, fast. We're gonna find out when uh, Mar- Magic Marlon Marizes come at him fast with some kicks from both sides because he can circle right into a kick either way. Either either side you want to circle, bro. I'm gonna throw a kick. I mean, that's that's how easy that is. Yeah, but then you also have a point where. I mean, other than like wave like years ago against Jamal Emmers, who a lot of guys have early loss against Jamal Emmers. He has been undefeated in the UFC, and even before that, doing really well. This this is his first loss in a long, long time. So mentally, I don't know how that's going to land. I mean, obviously, like a lot of people, kind of have this dip after their first UFC loss. Usually, it's that dip post um, title challenge. So, because Marias even had a little bit of that uh, in the um, Aldo fight, because I bet him big there, and. I know he won, but that was way too close for comfort for me. But uh, it's but he should be back now, whereas this might be the drop off for San Hagen. So I don't know. But I get the going for dog money here for someone who's faster and has bigger finishing ability. So and, that's and my way of saying I'm going to follow Mike and bet it because I do think that if there's a finish, it's going to be on him, and you're getting Marlon Rice at dog money. So there's that. So this it's is also quick, the it's the OG versus the the non OG too. So it's a perfect. As a quick review on the bets, we're going to do a quick review on the bets, then we'll throw it to Mikey Gills to give you our drafting lines before we do our outro. The review is we have one unit on Barbosa in the distance at plus one fifteen, and we have one unit on Marlon Marias at plus one ten. So that's two underdog bets for you on Fight Island Five. Now, Mikey Gills, give us a little overview of our DraftKings lineup. Yeah, uh, let's start off with our most expensive player, boy, Tom Aspinall. Honestly, you could throw him against a lot of the UFC heavyweights right now, most of the ranked guys, and I would still pick him. I think this is an absolute gift at $9,400. He's going to walk through this guy. 
next up for $9,300, Tagir Ulambekov. And another one, I think the UFC tosses guy a softball. I think he's going to get Bruno Silva out of there. I think the matchup is perfect for him, and I think he's going to score us a lot of points. Next up at 8,400, my boy with the greatest name ever, Drickus Duplissis. I can't wait to yell that out loud after he wins. Um, I think Say that five UFC, times fast. Don't, don't make me. I've been drinking. But um, <laughs> I think the UFC set him up nice against Marcus Perez. You know, it's uh, not quite the, the softball that Tagir and uh, Aspinall have been given, but I think uh, this guy's finished every single win of his career, and I think he's going to do the same here. Uh, $8,400. Next up at $8,300, Omar Morales. This guy is just the total package, and I think Jiga Chikese is just a little too limited in his style. I think he's skated by in a couple of split decisions in his UFC tenure so far, and I think Morales is just the type of guy that's not going to get beat up on the feet. He can press up against Cage, get him down to the ground, score some points, either win a clean decision or finish him. Um, so he's up at 8,300. Next up at 7,600, Ilya Saporia. And at this price, he's one of the better dog plays at that end of the card. Uh, he comes out of the gate hot every time. He finishes his opponents and his fights really early. I, I know Zalal's never been submitted before, but again, like we were talking about earlier, if Taporia with his grappling style can just eke out two of the three rounds at $7,600 with passing guard, advancing position, going for submissions, that'll score on DraftKings too. So $7,600, we're going to lock him in. And then next up, my first pick ever, my heart, uh, Chris Dawkins, $7,000. Black belt, I think he can stay out of trouble on the ground of this guy. He's an athletic guy with powerful hands. He Honestly, he's a little underrated. I, I Even in our first show, I underrated him a little bit, even in picking him. And he, he showed me a lot. He's got good boxing. I think he's being written off a little too hard on here. I don't understand $9,200 at all for his opponent on this. I think the line is way too far apart. So Dawkins, $7,000. Let's go. Um, this card uh, leaves you with absolutely no wiggle room. It's kind of the same as last week, but stay, stay att- um, pay attention to this one because one thing I forgot to get to earlier is in the Barboza fight, if he, if his weight cut goes bad, just that elderly fighter, you know, it is at the, not elderly, he's 34, what am I talking about? But if, if it looks particularly rough, I might switch up a, a play and go Mac, Mac Juan Americani in that. But he's not on the card yet, but that's going to take a severely bad weight cut. But for right now, it's like I just said, Aspinall, Ulambekov, Drickus Duplissis, Omar Morales, Ilya Taporia, and Chris Dawkins. Let's go. Well, bad. We will be back next week to preview UFC Fight Island 6 or Takeovers Korean Zombie. Yes, that fight is finally happening. I'm pumped for that fight. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Subscribe to us on your platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, RSS Feed. If you're watching us live now on YouTube, but you're not subscribed to us, why would you do that to us? Please subscribe to us on YouTube for the full-length shows, Apple Podcast Review, like, comment, and share to spread the word. And with that, let's roll. Mm-hmm.